What I want us to talk about this morning is the Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. There's a series of sermons that I sometimes do, and I call it, um, uh, it's not what you think. And we look at various things that um, probably people are thinking one thing, but when in reality we, we go a different direction with it. And when we think of the Beatitudes, we usually think of the Sermon on the Mount, turning to Matthew chapter 5 and reading those uh, Beatitudes there. But what many may not realize is that there are some Beatitudes, some statements that begin with, blessed are, and uh, there are seven of those statements in the book of Revelation. Before we get into that, though, let me, let me just make one comment. Uh, this is Memorial Day weekend, and I know that a lot of folks here have family that has served in the military and uh, may serve in the military. I know many of us have loved ones who have passed on, and this is a weekend where we, we just try to remember and to appreciate those who have done so much for us, and I hope that you'll do that. Chuck Yeager, he's a West Virginia guy, and uh, he was, it's hard to surpass his accomplishments as he was in the military, but during uh, one of the conflicts, and I can't remember which one it was, he had to actually ditch a plane in uh, the, the sea outside of China. He was alone for more than a week on a little boat, and he had no food. And he would not have survived had it not been for a seagull that had landed and sat there on his little uh, survival raft. And, and he grabbed that bird and used that bird for bait and caught fish. And that's how he survived until he was rescued. Well, that bird, in essence, gave its life unwillingly so that he could survive. And for years after that event... Every year, he would take a bucket of food, and he would go down to the beach, and he would feed seagulls. And the reason he would do that is he said, they saved my life, and it's the least I can do to give something back. Well, now, if Jaeger can have that understanding and appreciation of what one had done for another, dying so that another might live, how much more should the child of God have a sense of awareness of the memorial that we just partook of. You see, the participant in that was not unwilling. He willfully went to his own death, gave his life so that we might live. And so it's not too much to ask of us that we would come together and remember him and what he did for us and the meaning that he gives to our life. And so as you remember those who have gone on before to help secure and to maintain the freedoms that we have in this country, I hope that you won't overlook the fact that we serve a risen Savior who gave his life that we might live as well. Now, with those things said, let us turn our attention to the book of Revelation and some of the statements in the book of Revelation that have the idea of some things that will bring us blessing. In Matthew chapter 5, we have the Beatitudes, verses 1 through 13. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Say, or, uh, for righteousness. There's a host of those Beatitudes, and 
blessings that will come to us if we possess those attitudes and do the things that those verses say. But in a book that may be an unlikely book because of its warring nature, there are statements of blessing given throughout the book of Revelation. And I want to look at those seven statements this morning, make brief comment, because I know seven points is longer than you should have in a sermon, but seven, seven statements that uh, ought to give us something to think about. The first one comes from uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 3. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it. Keep it open because we'll be looking at these passages today. But in Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Blessed is he who reads and keeps the words of this prophecy. Don't you find it interesting that people avoid the book of Revelation or either they avoid it or they're consumed by it and that's all they can talk about? Um, Jesus pronounces a blessing on those who read and keep this book. Uh, there are many who say, ah, it's just too hard to understand. Nobody can understand the book of Revelation. And I won't be like, uh, well, W.B. West, I believe, once said, it's, a, it's the easiest book in the Bible to understand. I won't go that far. But I will say that the book of Revelation was intended to be understood. It is a revelation. It is an unveiling. And it is something that God wants us and expects us and says there will be a blessing to us if we read it. Let me tell you something. And if you understand this, as you approach the book of Revelation, you will know more than 90% of the religious world with reference to the teachings of the book of Revelation. Open that Bible of yours. And look at what he says in verse 3. He said, well, let just begin in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by the angel, by his angel, to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and who hears the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it for the time is near. Two things that he tells us that often people ignore. And if you ignore the stated purpose of the book, you're probably going to miss the understanding of the book. Number one, he says this book is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be signified. It's going to be figurative. It's not going to be the straightforward narrative that you might see in other books. There's going to be signs and symbols. It's going to be written a little bit differently. So don't look at those things and expect, you know, a literal uh, or don't approach it from a literal standpoint. He tells us up front, it's going to be a little bit different in signs and symbols. And the second thing that he says, and which is often ignored, is that whatever it is that he's writing about is going to take place soon. When Jesus revealed this to John, he said, John, the things that I'm going to write or that you're going, I'm going to tell you and that you're going to write down, the time is near, it is at hand. And so when I look for fulfillment in the book of Revelation in tomorrow's newspaper, I've made a terrible mistake in my approach to the book. Because he didn't say it's coming 2,000-some years later. He said to John, what I'm going to tell you about are things that are going to happen 
near very soon. The book is about a conflict between children of God and the enemies of God. And it was a conflict that was very real to those people living in those early days. And they had to face, uh, well, Rome and, and even, I think, Judaism to some extent with the Church of Philadelphia. But uh, they, they faced this enemy or enemies, and they were going to overcome. And that's the message of the book. So to, to look at the book as some kind of a historical, well, where, let's see, I think Hitler's in here and Saddam Hussein and, uh, you know, uh, it, that, that misses, misses the thrust of the book. It was a book of symbols, and it was to talk about things that were at hand that would shortly come to pass. And as we look at these symbols, and just keep this in mind too, get an overall picture and don't get so consumed by every little symbol that you miss the big picture. In uh, Horse Cave, Kentucky, there is a little professional theater there. It's close to Glasgow. And we would go up there every once in a while and, and, and sit down and, and watch a, a play. And as you sit there, you know, the, they have the stage is completely dark. All the lights are out. And, and you take your seat. And, and then when the lights come up, you know, in the darkness, you can see people moving around and setting the stage up, and so, but you don't know what's going on. But when the lights come up, all of a sudden you might see a couch, a chair, a dining room end table with a phone on it, and, and uh, here's a man pecking away at a typewriter. And there's wadded up papers all over the floor by the, pa- the wastebasket, and it's piled up high, and... and uh, the message you get is this guy's trying to write and he's not having a whole lot of luck. You know, he has to just, he, he just keeps trying and trying. That's the idea that that scene presents. But if I look at that scene when I go to that play and I view that from this perspective, let's see. Did you notice that telephone sitting on that end table? The cord is tangled on it. I wonder what that means. I wonder what that's supposed to say. And why are there two ashtrays instead of one in that? And you see, if I start looking at it from that standpoint, I'm going in a All those things are just props to get to convey a message. And if I get so caught up in the props that I miss the message, then I won't enjoy that play and won't come away appreciating it. And the same thing was true with the book of Revelation. Here we have a book that is written to uh, people that were living in a difficult time. We're going to have to under, uh, undergo and endure some terrible persecution. And so God wants to give them hope and give them answers that they might endure the hardship that they were about in the near future to face And one of the things that I think is interesting as you go through the book of Revelation, Jesus appears, well, he appears as a lion of the tribe of Judah. He appears as a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He appears as the Lord of lords and King of kings. No matter what the imagery is, as Jesus is presented in this book, he's always victorious. He's always on the winning side. He never loses. 
And if I can keep that in mind as I read this book, is that not a blessing? If I can know that if I stand with Jesus, nothing can overtake me and can overcome. I can, I can be faithful and I can be victorious. Rome was hot on the heels of Christians. They made life difficult. They put Christians to death. But that didn't do away with Christians, and it didn't do away with those who sacrificed their life, as we'll see in just a little bit. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11 says, you know what, if you want to overcome this enemy, you only need to do three things. Turn in Revelation chapter 12 and listen to what uh, Jesus says they need. And they overcame him by, number one, the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their lives to death. If we can possess those same three attitudes today, nothing can hurt us. No one can stop us. It doesn't matter what opposition we face. If I will love the Word of God more than my life itself, if I will trust in the blood of Jesus, what else can, help, uh, can hurt me? I'm victorious. No one can touch me. Oh, they can take my life, but God will raise it up again. So blessed is he who reads and keeps the words of this prophecy. This is a book about overcoming. And if we read it and understand that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords and will be victorious over every enemy... That gives me hope, especially when I'm not doing so well today. Another thing that this, turn to Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. Here's a second blessing or beatitude, if you want to call it that. Revelation 14 and verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the, the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Have you read the book of Revelation? The book of Revelation is a bloody book. It is a book of war. It is a book of death. It is a book of torture and mutilation. It is a book in which an enemy completely does everything within their power to destroy uh, those who oppose them. But in the midst of all this blood, there is the victory of the child of God. Jesus, Revelation uh, chapter 1 and verse 18, we're told, holds the keys to death in Hades. What can, what can the world do to you? The worst they can do to you is take your life. If Satan became so powerful that he possessed uh, the, the power to, to keep you from even... You know, we can't even live in peace anymore. If you express your faith in Christ, you'll be put to death. All right, let's say that day comes as it once did. What, what more can they do? The hope, the blessedness that comes from this book is that those who die in the Lord, they'll be victorious and there is a rest for them. You know, I can be arrested, I can be tried, and I can be found guilty. 
and I can be sentenced to death, but they can't do anything that will touch my soul. God has that. And if I lose my life, I'm reminded in this book that Jesus holds the keys to that realm that holds you. He holds the keys to Hades, and he'll let you out. So is that, again, not a blessing to know that the God I serve, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter how hard life may become on this earth, if I stay faithful to Jesus, it's going to be okay. Even if I die in him, I am in a blessed state because they haven't won. They've just brought me closer to my Lord. Another beatitude is found in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15, if you'll turn there. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. Whenever I think about that, I I think of how the, the watching has a causal effect or a relationship to the keeping his garments. If you thought that Jesus were coming back tonight, how would you behave today? I'd say you'd be pure. If you thought and were looking for the return of Jesus, you would live in such a way that you would be ready. Sometimes when my parents would leave town when I was a kid, sometimes they'd say, you don't have to go with me, but don't let the neighbor boys in. And sometimes... I'd let the neighbor boys in. But the whole time we were playing, usually it was wrestling in the living room floor, the whole time we were doing that stuff, we had our eye on the driveway. Because when we saw my mom and dad's car pull up, those guys had to run out the back door, you know, go back home. Wasn't right. I'm not proud of it. But I understand the concept. If you're watching, you're probably going to to expect, and, and, and when you're not watching, you may get caught unprepared. The idea here is that if you will wash your garments and keep them, um, that, that, that's what we need to do. And, and uh, looking for the, the return of Jesus, blessed is he who wa- uh, watch it, washes and, and keeps his garments Uh, watches, excuse me, I have that written down wrong. Also, look at the next beatitude in in chapter 19 and verse 9. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to to these, uh, these are the true sayings of God. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. When you read the book of Revelation, you see death. You see Christians who have been put to death and they're under the altar crying out, How long, O Lord, how long until you avenge our blood? We've tried to be faithful to you and all that we've received in return is we've lost our lives. We've been separated from life. We, We no longer have the things, you know, our whole existence has been... How long until you do something about this? They cry out to God. 
And in the midst of all this turmoil and persecution where Christians are being put to death and executed because they will not forsake the testimony of Jesus Christ, there is the picture and there is the the promised blessing to those who are called to the marriage feast. What this tells me is that there's more than just war. There's more than just death. There's more than just fighting. There's life. There's joy. I mean, who goes to a wedding and goes pouting? Uh, who, you know, that's a time of joy. You, you look at what's taking place and the vows that are expressed and the expressions of love. It touches the hardest of hearts. This is a time of good news. And Jesus is reminding us, you know, as bad as it may seem right now, there's better that will come. This is not all there is. There's still the marriage feast. Blessed is he. And won't those who have suffered so much for the cause of Christ have reason to rejoice when they meet their Savior? That's the point. Another beatitude is taken from Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. Blessed is he who has part in the first resurrection. Now, admittedly, this is a difficult section of Scripture, and I'm not going to try to parse everything out here. Don't know that I can fully. But here's what I want you to understand, and I think this much we can know. The first resurrection, what, what is the first resurrection? I, I think if you just look at the context, we see that this is a spiritual thing. Look, look, begin reading with me in verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, the judgment was committed to them, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God and had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. The, what he's talking about are these... Imagine living in the first century and standing up for the cause of Christ and you will not deny the testimony of Jesus and they hold a knife to your throat and say, do or die, and you remain faithful to the Lord and they kill you. And maybe they, before they kill you, they take your children and put them to death before your eyes and your wife. And then they kill you. It sure looks like defeat from the back, uh, from this side of eternity. All we see are stacked bodies. Or imagine being uh, told that you either deny your Lord or we'll take you in here and use you as sport and let lions and wild animals tear you limb from limb and your family and you stay faithful to God, and you walk into this arena to your death, that sure looks like defeat. There's nothing good about that. It sure looks like Rome cannot be touched. There's no way they can be overcome. But you know, we're given a behind-the-scenes look in Revelation 20. And to those who look at this from this side of eternity, we see defeat, but from God's side... These people aren't dead. They're alive. And not only are they alive, but they are reigning with Christ. Our enemy can't touch us. 
They can take our life, but we live again. And we reign with Christ. No one can overcome us. What a blessing that is. And what assurance that must be to those who were in that situation. We don't know what that's like to live in fear of our life. And to know that at any moment someone might come and knock on our door and say, Are you one of them? We've never had to face that. But these people did. Every day there were people who were losing their lives. And they're given assurance that even if they are beheaded... For this cause, it's not, they haven't won. There's life after death. You will reign with Christ. And then again, Revelation 22 and verse 7, another passage. In, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who, uh, who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy. Don't listen to all this and then act as though you didn't read it. Don't take the message and go and walk a different way and live a different kind of life. Don't succumb to the temptation to cave in so that you can live. It would be far better to be faithful unto death that you might receive a crown of life than to deny the Lord and live a little bit longer. The person who remembers what is taught in this book and understands that no matter what our enemy does to us, we will be victorious in Jesus. That man is blessed. Keep the words of this prophecy. And then finally, Revelation 22 and verse 14. We're reminded again, Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into that city. Blessed are they who do his commandments. There are things that we have to do. Jesus has done his part. He died for us on the cross. He, he redeemed us from a hopeless situation, but we can't look at that sacrifice that he made and say, I have no response. I have no obligation. I can't add to his redemptive work, but I must respond to him in faith in order for that to, to apply to my life. I must meet his conditions. The Bible tells us also in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So in the book of Revelation alone, there are seven statements that the Lord reminds his people. And, and maybe even where, where some might say, I don't, it's kind of surprising that the book of Revelation would have all these blessings when it's a, a book of blood and gore and war. Maybe it's not so surprising in light of the fact that it is a book of blood and gore and war. Because who more so would need encouragement and reaffirmation than those who face death on a day-to-day basis? Those seven blessings that are pronounced upon those who remain faithful to Jesus in the book of Revelation, I think are purposefully made so that we are left with absolute assurance that it is worth it. Is it worth it to serve Jesus? Is it worth it really to sacrifice the only life that I have? I don't get to go around twice. I just have one. Is it really worth it to to give away my life for Jesus? 
The answer to that is emphatically yes. You will reign with Christ. As long as you love the Word of God, trust in the blood, and if you will love that Word to the giving of your own life, the devil cannot touch you, nor any of his agents. We are victorious in Christ. So we have many reasons to hope. The circumstances of life will not always be in your favor. There are things that will heart, cause your heart to break. There are things that will not go the way you want it to go. For some people, life is just one series of misfortune after another. Some can't seem to get anything right. It may be their health. It may be just their social plane. Everything just seems to happen wrong to them. Some may never get under the thumb of something. But if you're faithful to God, you have reason to rejoice. Because no matter how long... what what, Let's say you're oppressed for 70 years. What's 70 years in light of eternity? What's 70 years in light of spending time forever with God in heaven? We are blessed. Blessed are those who are children of God. For what can harm us? And look at what we have to live for, a home with God in heaven. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, I hope that some of the things that we quickly went over in the book of Revelation will cause you to think, well, what am I doing with my life? You know, I'm not put in a life and death situation, but I'm not living for him. Would you not want to live for Him so that you can live with Him throughout all eternity? No matter what happens to you in life, if Christ is on your side, you'll be victorious. I think it was Johnny Ramsey who used to say the theme, the overriding theme of the book of Revelation is simply this. Those who overcome can come over. And I think that's well said. If you want to go to heaven, give your life to Jesus. Trust in Him no matter what happens to you in this life, and everything will be fine. And it will be fine sooner than we all realize. Because life just seems to just tick away pretty quickly, doesn't it? If you're here this morning and you're not faithful as a child of God, and it's time to do something about that, get your life right, come clean, seek God's forgiveness and strength from your brethren, we'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.